Hi, I'm Dave O'Neill. I'm Kitty Flanagan, and we're from the Sweet and Salty Roundabout, also known as The, the junkies. junkies. So please tune in. If you're listening to Ingredipedia with uh, Ben and Emily, you'll probably like our show. Yeah. We do. We talk about lollies, chips, chocolate. Yeah. They probably talk about better food than we oh, do. They've a better got some, class of food. They've got some great episodes here. I've yeah. just been having a bit of a listen. Very good. In fact, I'm going to steal some of the ideas. Anyway, whatever. If you need a sugary break, switch yeah. over to The Junkies. The Junkies, where you find all your podcasts. Ben, what did you used to order as a kid at the Pancake Parlour? Uh, I, I'm a, I was always a big fan of the, um, the savory pancake, you know, the one that's got like, uh, mints in it. It was kind of like a crepey vibe and you'd have like cheese and sour cream on it. Um, maybe something <laughs> oh a bit God. Mexican. I loved anything kind of like that Mexican is... in the 1980s. That... It was just, uh. But on a pancake, that's so disturbing. I didn't think anyone ordered the savory pancakes at the pancake file. That's Actually unhinged. I'm sorry. I feel I feel like maybe <laughs> I'm the one who's kept it on the menu all these years. <laughs> Definitely. You're listening to Ingredipedia, Australia's most fractious food podcast. My name's Ben Birchall and I'm joined by my co-host, Emily Naismith. Hi, Em. Hello, Ben. This is something a little different. Uh, this is an Ingredipedia debate where yeah. we each take a side for or against, and our listeners decide who was the most persuasive. Yeah, I'm going to be pro-Pancake Parlour. And Ben, I reckon a reason why you might be anti-Pancake Parlour is the fact that you're dabbling in the savoury side of things. But, I mean, we can get into it. All right, let's fight about it. Okay, Ben, the Pancake Parlour holds a special place in my heart for nostalgia reasons. Like, went to lots of birthday parties there. Remember playing chess on the giant chess set. The funny distorted mirrors. It's basically like Disneyland, but like Pancake Disneyland for kids. <laughs> yeah. But having said that, I recently rediscovered the joys of the Pancake Parlor as an adult. Um, did this obsession start ironically? Yes. Did it morph <laughs> into a real love and obsession? Also, yes. Um, so I've got a few reasons why, all right, aside from nostalgia, I've got some reasons why I'm pro pancake parlor as an adult. Okay. So firstly, did you know that some pancake parlors are open 24 hours a day, seven days a week, (laughs) 365 days a year, I think. So these are the pancake parlors in Doncaster, High Point, Fountain Gate and Malvern East. All right. They never close. (laughs) That's intense. Do you think that's like... It's like a beautiful thing in my mind. Like at any given moment um, in the whole year, like four o'clock on a Tuesday, pancakes, midnight on a Sunday, pancakes, 1am on a Monday, pancakes. Um, It's beautiful. Number two, you can rip them off. So I wouldn't say (laughs) that I'm like necessarily a tight ass, but Obviously, I don't love the idea of paying like $25 to $30 for pancakes that I could easily make at home, Yeah, um, which is also my gripe with faster pasta. But if you're <laughs> paying full price, like if anyone listening is paying full price at the pancake parlor, um, <laughs> my friend, you are being taken for a ride because you need to get the app and look at all the deals. Like there's literally always $1 short stacks. 
And during winter, they did this thing where if it was under 10 degrees, you got your pancakes for $10. And if it was under five degrees, you got your pancakes for $5. So you can absolutely rinse them, which is what I do. Um, what are they doing with your data? Anyway, don't, don't worry. Go on. Go on. It's good. It's I good. Get, I'm glad get you're getting your money's worth. I get silver dollars in my app. <laughs> um, okay. Number three out of five. Okay. Yes, they just do pancakes. But Ben, you can't deny that they're innovators. All right. This is a little bit of history for you. I know you like history. In 1971, this is long before food trucks were a thing, there was the Pancake Parlor Party Machine. <laughs> yeah, That I sounds fun. That. Yeah. <laughs> yeah they, would, they would go to weddings and, and serve yeah. mozzarella pancakes to, to yeah. wedding guests. It was like a little pancake trailer that could be towed cool. to any little location. Yeah. Like Raf Rashid wasn't even born in 1971, I'm assuming. So like, <laughs> no, I don't think this so. is innovative. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair. Um, hey, look, you, you don't need to talk to me about, about the, the savory range and how, <laughs> how. Uh, I never said savory. I, I'm assuming they were catering sweet, sweet, delicious things. No, the Tabriz, you can like, we can talk about the, the Hawaiian ham and cheese crepes all all day. Like oh. I'm, I'm not against that. I'm, you know, the Mexican chicken, the Mexican beef, the Mexican combo, like it's all there. Like it sounds I'm, like you're on board, Ben. <laughs> uh, I am to a point. I am to a point. Okay. But yeah, okay. you, you, you do make some compelling points. Okay. Number four, take a look at the talent that has come through the pancake parlor. It's unparalleled. So what if I told you that Andrew McConnell of Cumulus Inc., and Gimlet, which are regularly touted as two of Melbourne's kind of best restaurants. Not yeah. that I would know because I cannot afford to dine there. <laughs> yeah. Well, he started washing dishes at the Pancake Parlor, according to an article in The Age. Mm -hmm. So they know how to train them. Yep. Um, number five, my final point. It's a legitimately beautiful dining experience. Now, I know you're going to disagree with me here, but... Have you ever been to the Doncaster Pancake Parlor? My home I have. turf. I have. You yeah. have. Okay. Yeah, I had a, well, I had a business meeting to... there because they're open all the time, <laughs> and the the client was based in Doncaster, and she's like, "It's going to sound weird. We're going to have the meeting at the Pancake Parlor because it's the only thing that's open after two p.m. Oh in Doncaster." So yeah. Okay. Well, you'll have to agree with me then that it's architecturally stunning. It's beautiful. It is beautiful. <laughs> Is. is that the one with the train it that is. goes around the roof? Yeah. 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 So it's got a train that goes like with a little dog that's eating pancakes. And on the hour, every hour, all fucking year, the dog will travel on the tracks. Um, but I'm more talking about the checkered floors, the archways, the wood, the secret little pancake boardrooms, um, the sunshine coming through the, like, Ellie, the, um, What's it called? Lead light domes yeah, and windows. Yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's, it's insane. It's lots of colored glass in there. I remember that. And the pancakes are also delicious. Like, you can't deny that. I mean, I'm talking about the sweet ones. As I said, don't really go near the savory ones. Like, that you can get a chicken parma pancake, and I'm not interested in that whatsoever. <laughs> All right. You're lost. But, Al but Alice in Wonderland is a fun time, for sure. And that is the reason why I am pro Pancake Parlour. Thank you, Emily. You make some compelling arguments there. And I am not saying any of this is wrong. 
I am merely wanting our listeners to do a little bit of digging as to what is behind all of this joy. Why are they open 24 hours a day? What are, what is the value exchange for all of those cheap pancakes in the app? Because listeners, I'm going to go to potentially a little bit of a dark side of the pancake parlor. Uh, and I will say that I, I do love the pancake parlor when I worked at HMV Northland in the later parts of last century and the very, very early parts of this one, we had our staff meetings there by virtue of the fact that they were the only thing open at Northland after five 30, other than the movies. Um, <laughs> And, you know, these are the days before shopping centers had hawker halls and food truck parks attached to them. Like the pancake parlor was just always there. It was always open. And for somebody who grew up in the suburbs of Melbourne, uh, you can't underestimate what it is to have some place to go. So that is my positive thing there. And, you know, they filled a niche and who doesn't love whimsy and sugar? Like they, it's, it's, mm. it's everything that you're after. But to talk about the no argument a little, I'm going to talk about the pancake parlors alleged links to the Church of Scientology. Um, it's a rumor that comes up on Reddit threads. The word cult get, gets bandied about even that, uh, the age article you mentioned them, um, has, it rhymes the word cults and malts, um, which is a loose rhyme. Mm -hmm. But, uh, um, so I thought I would dig into it because it, it's a, it's a rumor that's out there. It's a, it's an urban myth that's out there. Um, and for the most part, I'll be taking my research from a Vice article from 2017 titled How Scientologists Founded the Pancake Parlor by Royce Kermelovs, um, which is, yes, it's Vice, but 2017 was when Vice had money and is well-researched and it also calls on testimony and um, evidence from uh, the book Fair Game by Steve Kinane, who's a very well-respected journalist, I think, ABC uh, European correspondent at the moment. <clears throat> so uh, a little bit from the, from the article. According to the official history of the Pancake Parlor, the company started when an entrepreneurial and mild-mannered guy by the name of Roger Meadmore took a trip through California in 1959. He and his friend Alan Traxel were eating a lot of pancakes along the way, which inspired them to start their own pancake restaurant back home, which is exactly what they did. Back home in Adelaide, they opened the first restaurant in 1965, eventually expanding into a chain with an annual turnover of $40 million and a series of restaurants across Victoria. So that's the official story in 2017. Uh, the article goes on to say, but the fact that its founders also enjoyed a long and winding association with the Church of Scientology, even helping the controversial religion to set up in Australia, barely rates a mention. It isn't part of their their official, it's, it's not on the on the Pancake Parlor website. Um, but the article alleges that the, the fabled trip through California, uh, eating pancakes that uh, Meadmore and Traxel had, was, it was actually part of a stint uh, Meadmore had studying Scientology directly under L. Ron Hubbard in the US and then the UK. Um, and he told this to Kinane for his book, Fair Game. It's, it's actually on his blog. He's, he's posted, um, we can share links to all this stuff as well. Uh, he, he talks about it quite openly. Um, so, uh, this is maybe, uh, not so relevant, but it's interesting, um, that Roger Meadmore and, uh, his wife, Helen Meadmore split up soon after, uh, they started the pancake parlor and Helen married his business partner, Alan Traxel. Um, so back to the article, cause it's referring to the Traxels here, but actually it's Alan Traxel and his wife, Helen Meadmore, who's Roger Meadmore's ex-wife. So the Traxels eventually moved to Melbourne where they opened another pancake parlor and pushed ahead with its rapid expansion during the seventies, opening restaurants throughout Victoria and as far away as Perth. The Traxels would become a respected family among Melbourne's community of Scientologists with Helen Traxel remem remembered fondly. So that's kind of up to date in 20, 2017. 
according to this Vice article. Um, in 2023, if you Google who owns the pancake parlor, the, the name Simon Meadmore comes up. He's the son of Helen and Roger Meadmore, uh, and, and therefore the, the, the stepson of Alan Traxel. He's based in Sydney. Uh, it's not clear whether he has links to Scientology. I'm not saying that he does, but he's, uh, you know, the family, the founders are still involved via their family. It's not, um, it's, it's not as simple as it was founded by Scientologists and, and those people have no influence or no lasting ties to the company. Um, the Vice article similarly never says that the company is explicitly linked to Scientology or provides money to Scientology, but it does acknowledge that the family link still remains, which is unlike the Good Food um, Guide article I think you were referring to um, in 2019, that sort of just says simply, is the pancake parlor involved in Scientology, as rumors suggest? Mandy David, who joined the company as a student in 1984 and has worked there since, says that's a hard no, though some employees may themselves have been members of the church. Um, so The Age didn't dig much further. That web, that article's on the Pancake Parlor website. They're happy for it to be, to be sort of brought up and then, and then, uh, sort of put to bed pretty quickly. Um, but I'd like to think maybe <laughs> I'm a slightly better journalist than the Good Food Guide. Um, so rather than just take uh, Mandy David's word for it as, as the good food guy, guy did, I'm going to put someone in the witness box, uh, for this first debate, um, who has firsthand experience of working at the pancake parlor and how the links and potential links to the church of Scientology, uh, might've worked for people who worked on the floor. So let's, uh, have a chat to a former employee of the pancake parlor. Alice, thank you for joining us on Ingredipedia Debate. Uh, when did you work for the Pancake Parlour and which Pancake Parlour was it? Set the scene for us. Okay, so I worked at the Pancake Parlour in Northland. Um, I definitely worked there from about 93 to 95, maybe. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, so last century. Um, yes. And what primarily was your role? Primarily, I was a waitress working on the floor, so taking orders and running food out to the tables, but also had a little extra role as Alice in Wonderland. Mm. So and not the Alice talk us in Wonderland. That. That yeah, so there were two Alices. There was one who facilitated children's parties. That was not me. I was the one that used to walk around Northland dressed as Alice with a little wicker basket, handing out maple chews and um, promotional flyers and discount vouchers, that sort of thing. What do you most fondly remember about your time working at the Pancake Parlour? Was it was it fun? Was it a good crew? Was it was it uh, yeah? No. Was it a, was it a good time? Okay. <laughs> No, no, it wasn't. Actually, I did enjoy doing the Alice in Wonderland gig when I had a Mad Hatter accompanying me. So he had like the full costume with a giant head and giant shoes. And um, I was basically there to keep him safe from children. Yeah. So he was a lot of fun. But the actual waitressing part of the job was not fun because every table was in a hurry to go and see a movie. Mm. So it was never a kind of relaxed dining environment. It was always pretty high pressure and the pay was terrible. Mm. And <laughs> did you have to learn the pancake parlour shorthand? Yes. Like all the codes? Absolutely. It's quite yep. full on. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
So if, if you threw some at me now, <laughs> I wonder <laughs> I if I would remember. <laughs> I had to help my husband, Pat, remember them when he got a job there. And um, I can't remember any of them, but I, I definitely had committed them to memory for a good two weeks there. <laughs> um, now... Is there anything, was there anything strange about your time working at the Pancake Parlour, would you say? There was always a vibe. And I think at the time I didn't really know exactly what that vibe was. But um, there was an area manager that used to sometimes come and check in on the restaurant. And it was pretty tense when she was there. And I didn't really get why because she was very lovely. Um, but then I found out that she... As I understood it, she was the daughter of the family that owned the restaurant mm-hmm. and that she had some fairly, I would say, unusual ideas about management and customer service and hospitality. Uh-huh. So uh, one of them yeah. being that if the takings on a particular night were poor, it wasn't to do with the fact that maybe, you know, was the weather or maybe there was a good football game on. It was mm. more about the um, the energy that the staff were sort of emanating. Is that the uh-huh. word? The, the energy that they were sending out into the community that, that meant that people didn't want to come to the restaurant because we didn't have good energy. So if you didn't send good energy out, you wouldn't have a restaurant full of people. Yeah. So there was yep. there was that. Yeah. Um, and I think you know. I think you might know where I'm going with this. Uh, um, possibly, but I don't want to lead the witness. Okay. But was there was there anything more? Uh, I guess structured or uh, institutional about some of the belief systems that were being uh, discussed around you. It's difficult for me to say because I was a waitress. So we were fairly low on the pecking order. So the floor staff and the kitchen hands were pretty pretty low on the pecking order. Um, but as I understood it at the time, as you kind of worked your way up the chain, things got a little more serious about management techniques and uh, personal growth and success, that sort of thing. So that if you became a restaurant manager or were being trained as a restaurant manager, you'd be sent on a special retreat and you would learn about all of these things to be successful and to operate a successful restaurant. Mm -hmm. And it was never named as anything institutional Um, but two of the restaurant managers when I was working there were actually family friends and their father was and possibly still is um, a professor of psychology at a university in Melbourne and he was very concerned about what was taking place on the management retreats Mm. Yeah. Okay. So obviously I never went on one, but um, I did have conversations with the restaurant managers about this. Um, okay. I will just bring it to evidence. Was Scientology ever mentioned 
to you Never. by by anyone. So it was always no. couched couched in kind of management techniques and absolutely and, and personal growth and and were you offered any more information on on this even as a as a as as a waitress were you kind of you know invited to to learn more or go to any seminars or anything like that not that i recall no but i think it was all kind of packaged up in the um the aspiration you know as a pancake parlor employee you needed to aspire to sort of you know that higher level of management and that mm. that was where you could achieve your most successful <laughs> kind of version of yourself. Did the staff got to talk about it openly? Did did you ever, you know, did you have a bit of a sort of whisper network of like, hey, this this is all a bit weird, or or did it just feel like this this is what comes with with working here? No, I think people thought it was pretty weird when 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 they would try to um, sort of explain you know, things like a slow night at the restaurant, that they would try to sort of pin that on 19-year-old students who were just, you know, running food out to tables and saying it was because of their bad energy. I think that made people <laughs> a little uncomfortable. But, um, yeah, it, was, it wasn't something that was discussed a lot. Yeah. Uh, do you still eat at the Pancake Parlour today? Have you set foot in a Pancake Parlour in the last... 25 years I do not believe I have it's been a very long time can I ask a question about what people ordered what percentage do you think was savory pancakes versus sweet oh um no we got a lot of savory pancakes because people would go and have dinner before their movie dinner yeah yeah so the Mexican, you'd have the Mexican crepes because it was dinner time <laughs> And nothing and else is open at Northland so after dark. Good, that's right. And if it was a Friday night, there was always a fish special. And Ooh. if it was the rainbow trout on mini herbed pancakes with hollandaise sauce, it was amazing. Well, Alice, you've been an excellent uh, witness for the uh, for, for our first Ingridopedia <laughs> debate. Thank you for your time. So there you go. It's not. Again, we're not saying that the the company is a front for Scientology, which is one of the urban myths that uh, it can't possibly be profitable and pro can't possibly make money. It must be propped up by the Church of Scientology. Haven't been able to sort of dig any of that up. This is, we're not saying that it's 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 a funnel for uh, for uh, recruitment into Scientology. But yeah, there's definitely some. There's a whiff of truth to the rumors. I think that's the the Vice article says the same thing. Um, and yeah, there's, there is, uh, not saying that they haven't improved their, uh, their industrial relations policies since last century when, uh, Alice worked there, but maybe worth doing a little bit of digging into, um, just what is behind all of that sugar and whimsy. Mm. Or just turning a blind eye and enjoying the sweet, delicious pancakes. <laughs> Love to you. <laughs> It is your call. This is, has been an Ingridopedia debate. Uh, we always ask your opinion, but really this episode is, is asking for definitive yes or no. Are you pro or con the pancake parlor? Are you for or against based on our arguments? 
Mm. Uh, so we'll put a little poll up on Instagram a little bit after this episode goes up and, yeah, let us know. And also let us know if you dabble in the savoury side of things because I, I think that Ben might be the only one that actually <laughs> orders these <laughs> heinous things. <laughs> it's pronounced delicious. Delicious.